This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Nice to have you along. And as you heard in Bob Comsick's news, the White House is saying that President Trump has signed a revised executive order on a temporary travel ban. This is take two of the travel ban. We will be discussing this new order later in the half hour. First, though, after days of staying disciplined on Twitter following his speech to Congress, Donald Trump made headlines over the weekend for tweeting that former President Barack Obama had tapped his phones at the Trump Tower during the election campaign. Trump has yet to give evidence of the spying, but insists that he will be proven correct in his tweet. FBI Director James Comey is calling the allegations false, demanding officials in the Department of Justice set the president straight. So far, there's been no statement from the Department of Justice. What do you think of Trump's allegations? Your calls are welcome, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Michael Diamond is the president of Upstream Strategy Group and joins me on the line. Michael, nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Well, just when Donald Trump looked as though he might stay inside the lines, he's uh, definitely coloring outside the lines and creating what many are saying is an unnecessary distraction. Yeah, and we've seen this time and again with him, although this last uh, spell of good behavior was probably a bit longer than we'd seen since he entered the uh, race for president uh, in uh, 2015. So it was a prolonged uh, calmness. But uh, just like, you know, the president clearly has a bit of an addiction to erratic Twitter behavior and addictions are hard to shake. I'm not making light of this. And it's unfortunate that he's gone back to his old habits. Michael, you're a strategist. What do you think uh, was the strategy Donald Trump was implementing when he decided to uh, tweet not once but three times about the president tapping his phones on the weekend? And mixing it in with tweets about Arnold Schwarzenegger being fired because of bad ratings. Uh, You know, I don't know. I think it might be generous to say there was a strategy uh, at play there. If if the executive order that he signed that you're going to talk about on the show later was, uh, you know, something that he would know would be controversial, throwing out some of these crazy erratic tweets to divert media attention might not be a bad idea. But I just think at the end of the day, uh, in this circumstance, he threw out a very, very serious allegation without any reason to believe that it's it's true. And uh, uh, calling it strategy is far too generous. What if it is true? I mean, there are all kinds of denials out there, but what if it is true? The commander in chief decides to tap the phone of a presidential candidate. Is that 
where does that fall in terms of its legality and its strategy, frankly? Well, well, if it was the commander-in-chief, if it was President Obama ordering it, it would be very serious and it would probably fall uh, outside of the legal framework. Now, to, to for if the government or the Department of Justice were to have wanted to wiretap uh, the phones at Trump Tower at the presidential campaign headquarters, they would have required a warrant. They would have required probable cause. And if they sought that and got it from a judge uh, because there were security concerns, let's say it uh, was the campaign's dealing with Russia or, or whatever, that probably is much more serious for the current president than the former president. Now, if there was an illegal wiretap, if it's proven to be, an, if it's proven that there was a wiretap and it's proven that it was illegal and that it's proven that the uh, a, a former president was responsible, that's very, very serious. It will uh, make uh, Trump into a huge victim on this. It would be, uh, and we throw this around a lot, but bigger than Watergate. It would also fit into uh, uh, to uh, uh, historical framework because, you know, Lyndon Johnson had the Nixon campaign wiretapped. It's uh, something that shouldn't happen, but we know has happened in the past. Right. And has probably happened since. We're just not aware of it. I mean, it, that is possible, right? That's what we're hearing all kinds of speculation about. Oh, precisely. And, you know, Ross Perot in 1992, when he ran for president the first time and dropped out, was convinced he was being spied on. Um, Richard Nixon, when he was former president at that time, was convinced that uh, George Herbert Walker Bush was having his phones wiretapped, which is kind of funny to look back and think of that now. But uh, so it, it's something that there is historical precedent for. There's certainly people who've also erroneously made these claims and uh, thought that it was happening to them. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch how this unfolds. But uh, to quote, uh, to use a line the president is very fond of, I think this is a lot of fake news. There has been all kinds of speculation and um, leaks, frankly, from within Trump's own administration that he was furious on Friday, furious that Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, uh, Session rather, had decided to recuse himself from another allegation of close ties to Russia. Uh, how much do you think this is playing into his mood and his, uh, you know, his stability in terms of how he's carrying out his job? Oh, I think you know the Sessions recusal, which personally I think was unnecessary. I, I had listened uh, and watched the uh, questioning at the uh, with Senator Franken, and I, I thought that the senator, if you consider the context of the question and the role he spoke to the Russian ambassador, and uh, accurately answered the question and did not commit perjury. Uh, but uh, he is also right uh, to recuse himself if there's ever a even perceived bias that's as harmful as an actual bias. So he is right to recuse himself. But for the president. This is a early defeat on an important matter uh, very early in the presidency. It's something that, uh, you know, uh, it took Nixon uh, over four years, uh, four or five years uh, for the Watergate, uh, five years for the investigation really heat up to the point where he was making decisions and decisions were being made like that that impacted him. So this is so early to happen. It's really a mark on the administration. But I think uh, uh, Attorney General Sessions did the right thing in falling on his sword, but it was uh, not strictly necessary. Michael Diamond, president of Upstream Strategy Group, joins me to talk about uh, Donald Trump's allegations about having his phones tapped at the Trump Tower by former U.S. President Barack Obama. And your phone calls as well, 416-360-0740-1866-744-740. Margaret and Kitchener, what would you like to say about all that's going on? Uh, I'd like I'd like to know what does it take to 
this guy is obviously a psychopath, and I'd like to know what it takes to get him impeached. Okay. Is he obviously a psychopath, Michael? Um, <laughs> not, neither you nor I are I'm doctors. I'm not medically but... <laughs> qualified to answer that question. Right. Uh, now, for the president to be impeached, it's very, very difficult. Uh, first of all, he has to be proven to, uh, or there has to be an allegation, an approvable allegation of committing a high crime and misdemeanor. It then requires the uh, Congressional uh, Justice Committee would have to the House uh, Committee on Justice to uh, move the articles of impeachment, would have to move through the House with a majority then the Senate acts as a jury where two-thirds of senators have to vote to convict on the articles of impeachment. Bill Clinton was impeached. He was not removed by, uh, by from office because the Senate, uh, there was actually a, a 50 uh, vote uh, for one of the articles of impeachment, but it required a two-third majority, so he was not removed. Right. Very difficult. Uh, the And this accusation of high crimes and misdemeanors, more than likely, if it happens, would have to come from the Republican camp, uh, which is exactly why Trump has been trying to smooth out relations between the Republicans who are, are very divided at this point. Yeah, with the current congressional makeup, it would definitely require uh, Republican support. Uh, I would say that you would be more likely not a single Democrat voted in the Senate to convict Bill Clinton. I think if articles of impeachment were to come forward and uh, the Senate were to serve as a jury on that trial for this president, it would be much more likely that there'd be some Republican support for it. Uh, but uh, it would require uh, a substantial amount to get to the two-thirds of majority of the United States Senate. In your mind, do you see impeachment in the future of President Trump? Do you, do, do you see that happening? I mean, it's been thrown around a lot. If there's provable, uh, if there's a provable uh, showing that his campaign was colluding with Russia to interfere with the results of the election, I do think that articles of impeachment should definitely be considered. That said, it can't be considered lightly because you have to look at how divided the country is. And for a huge swath of the country, I just spent a week on the Gulf Coast in Florida, mm-hmm. and there are people who are just finally excited. They feel they have their country back, that their voice is finally being heard. And to take away their election results, their presidency uh, because they just seem they, they would view it as uh, stealing an election, re- reversing the will of the people. So it's got to be done very judiciously if it is done, because it would only uh, further cement uh, the divide in the United States. I was surprised there a couple of weeks ago when um, I think it was during the Super Bowl, the interview with Bill O'Reilly during the Super Bowl, when Donald Trump said that that he was he was comparing Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, to people in the United States saying far worse has been committed in the United States by people in the United States, people of power. That, to me, reeked of treason. I, I was surprised that that didn't have more legs. It's not the first time that uh, when he was a candidate, he made similar allegations that, oh, we're not so great either. And you got to go back to 2008 to look at something that was, I think, quite remarkable. And I was offended by these comments in 2008 when Barack Obama won, I think it was the Iowa caucus, and it was the first big victory for his campaign. Michelle Obama gave a speech at a rally, and she said for the first time in her adult life, she is proud to be an American. And I thought that was really disgusting and Mm. anti-American sentiment. And at 
pales in comparison to the accusations of uh, crimes of the American government, uh, comparable to Vladimir Putin, who kills journalists and political opponents uh, with, with domestically. So it, it, the, the Republican outrage machine was very piped up about uh, Michelle Obama's comments. Interesting that uh, some were quite concerned about his comments about Russia, but not nearly to the extent they should have, because they were disgusting and serious allegations. Donald Trump is really thrown off about the leaks from within his own administration. Administration. This is something new for him, isn't it? Because when you're dealing with an ironclad corporate policy of, of being secretive and remaining loyal and true, I, I get the sense that he wasn't expecting this from the media. Yes, but not within his own ranks. Well, exactly, because, you know, the corporate culture is quite different in politics. Uh, you know, there, there's an, an unfortunate culture of people liking to be the anonymous leak, liking to prove to the media uh, who they pal around with, how much they know, how much more they know than everybody else. Uh, they get excited by it. It's, it's, it's a, a culture that would be foreign to somebody who came from a very uh, straight-ordered uh, corporate culture like the Trump Organization. So huge adjustment for him. It wouldn't be uh, for another uh, candidate candidate or another new president who had previously served in significant political office, though. Michael Diamond with me here, president of Upstream Strategy Group. And again, speaking from the point of view of a strategist, Donald Trump and his people were on such a high after the speech to the U.S. Congress. It was an excellent speech, whoever wrote it. Uh, By all accounts, uh, you know, had he been believing this speech, had he been putting into practice within the following days of the speech, I think that a lot of people would start to cut him the slack that he's looking for. And it just seems as though he gets that little one-upmanship. He starts to look what people are saying is presidential, and then he turns it around. And people are just there aghast that he's, he's digging his own grave. And the speech is a classic example of exceeding expectations. So who knows how that would have been received if it was given by Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton, who were very conventional politicians and communicators, all with different strengths and weaknesses, but they were conventional. Uh, for Donald Trump, it was just such a remarkable success because it was unexpected. It was way better than what we've come to expect from him, be it the convention speech or even the inaugural address. So it was a huge victory for him, and that's that's just it. He he was, he was starting to get a bit of sympathy. Maybe this is a guy who can be presidential, and he washed it all away once again. Michael, thanks for your time today. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.